Welcome, welcome. Um, so glad to see you all here this Sunday. There's so many of you here, even on a holiday weekend. Um, we're so glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us. Uh, thank you for coming. Um, we're gonna get right into worship, but before we do, uh, let's take a deep centering breath together. Come, let us worship God. Thank you, Dion. Um, friends, we are rising to fierce love. You know, this year, P.S. Jackie's book is on presale. So go on and get that fierce love. You already know it's going to be good. Um, I have a few things that I want to share with you. Announcements wise, as we rise into fierce love. One, homecoming weekend. Um, our homecoming, homecoming Sunday, rather, is October 3rd at 11 a.m., 11 rather, a.m., um, outside in front of the church, October 3rd, 11 a.m. I did not say 11.45, 11 a.m., October 3rd, outside of the church. If you are um, anywhere nearby, we would love to see you come through. If you're not, know that we are still live streaming. We're still doing all the things that we do to hold um, an uh, online congregation as well and our church is bigger than New York. 
Um, also, we have a new worship space um, where we'll be gathering physically. We have a new space. Pew, pew, pew. We will be there um, October 10th at 11.45. So we'll be back at our regular time, October 10th um, at uh, Calvary at St. George's. That is on uh, 61 East 21st Street. Um, I'm sure you saw the announcements go out uh, this week, but keep an eye and make all these notes, 11 a.m. on the 3rd, 11.45 on the 10th um, in the physical space and obviously still um, live streaming. This Sunday, you see I'm in my apartment, but we will be doing our um, outdoor watch parties again starting um, next Sunday. We're, we'll do three to make up for the ones that got rained out. So on the 12th, uh, Reverend Amanda will be at the gantry. On the 19th, I'll be at Prospect Park. And on the 26th, I'll be at Fort Tryon, uh, weather permitting. So if it rains in September on these Sundays, y'all, that's just it. We're not gonna do any more rescheduling. Um, but there will be a meetup, um, a middle mixer rather, on the 21st, I believe, um, which is a Tuesday. Um, here at St. Nicholas Park in the James Baldwin lawn with me. So come through. Um, and also, as you know, there's always chat and chew right after worship. Um, so come and chat with Ben, um, who is preaching this Sunday. And now let us get into a time of prayer, um, which, as you know, in this interactive space means that we're going to let you all go into breakout rooms. Now, just to make sure that we're very clear about this, you get 90 seconds in this in this first breakout room to share um, whatever you're holding on your heart. Please keep it brief so that everyone can share. That means like a word or two. We will give you a whole like three minutes later to say all the things that you might wanna say to the people in your group. But this is a very short moment to share what's on your heart. See you back in 90 seconds. And those of you who are still here with me, Let's pray in song. What God has for me, it is for me. What God has for me, it is for me. I know without a doubt that God will bring me out. What God has for me, it is for me. If you are on Facebook or on YouTube, if you're live streaming this right now, instead of um, being in the uh, breakout rooms, Please, we invite you to share in the chat themselves um, anything that you're holding on your heart. Um, it has been a really, really rough week. So go ahead and share what is on your heart in the chat as we're waiting for everyone to come back in about 15 seconds here. We'll have everyone back. Um, so go ahead and share in the chat the things that you're holding on your heart at this time. What things are you holding so that we can share, so that we can hold them with you? God who is in us, who is with us, who connects us, um, even through the zeros and the ones, we are so grateful for any moments that you give us together. Um, and we ask that you be with us, God, um, in, this, in this moment. We ask that you be with those who 
have endured floodwaters this week, um, those who have lost uh, loved ones, God, we ask you to um, be with those who are suffering, God. This has been such a traumatic week um, in so many different ways, in so many different spaces um, here in the United States and around the world. And so we just ask that you continue to hold and keep us, God. Help us to see how we can be your hands and your feet. How can we move revolutionary love in the spirit of justice just a little bit further, God? How can we bend the arc a little bit more toward justice? And we know that we can do these things um, if we are doing them through the lens of love, the revolutionary love that Jesus modeled for us. Uh, we thank you again for that model, and we ask that you lead and guide us. In your name we pray. Amen. Peace be with you, Middle Church. We're getting ready to pass the peace. We're so glad that um, you've been able to do that. We're going to be able to go into these breakout rooms. When you go into your breakout room, what I would love for you to talk about this week, you have three minutes. Um, what I'd love for you to talk about is a way that you saw this week, um, the labor of love. The labor of love. How did you see that? manifest this week. You got three minutes. See you back here in a minute. workshops that we've done on Black Lives Matter and white privilege and all that stuff. I've been in the social groups like New Adventures. Financial distress and I was don't even talk about it to others because I figured that's for me to deal with but never had a church of like an actual church that actually cared. I am so grateful for Middle and my choir family. I know that I have been lifted in prayer a million times and I know that that is what has gotten me through the worst of my days. So middle has been a constant for me. It has been a very present help in a time of need and I'm so grateful for my middle community for welcoming and embracing me. And even though we don't have a building, I feel really hopeful about the community that we continue to be for each other because I see all the ways in which we are looking out for each other. Really love uh, connecting with the young people um, and all and in general all of the groups that meet together in this time uh, virtually. And on Sunday is also inspirational and, and gives me some comfort that someday we'll be able, you know, we will be together again and be able to hug again and do all the things that we did uh, before the pandemic.
and now we will have a hymn from Madge. Good morning, middle family. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> Thank you for doing it. We're so grateful for you. Yes, yes, my pleasure. All right, here we go. If you know this one, sing along. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on.
Amen. Thank you, Madge. I forgot that the, the cardinal rule of preaching at middle is don't don't preach after Mad bring, Madge brings the house down, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. Uh, if you'll take a moment with me, our, our scripture this morning comes to us from the book of Proverbs. And it goes like this. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. Whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, and the rod they wield in fury will be broken. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor, and do not crush the needy in court, for the Lord will take up their case and will exact life for life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock, our redeemer, and our revolution. I, I like Proverbs sometimes because it dispenses all of the fluff. There's no parable. There's no story. It's just don't oppress poor people. Full stop but I digress. Have you ever heard about the Battle of Blair Mountain? 100 years ago this month, 10,000 miners marched on coal country in West Virginia, where they fought an armed struggle against private security. It was the largest domestic military uprising since the Civil War, but I bet you never learned about it in school. It's okay, I never did either. But I wanna tell the story this morning as a testimony to the labor history that we have forgotten and the consequences of that forgetting. Because if we don't rebalance our economy, it won't just be those who have stolen wealth who reap calamity. The whirlwind will come for us all. Make no mistake, we are drifting backwards towards feudalism. And the only thing that will save us is the fierce love that can bind us together to win what we deserve. The battle itself was waged on the slopes of West Virginian haulers, Workers bearing rifles against their bosses for four brutal days, only stopping when the National Guard arrived. But in order to talk about the uprising, we have to talk about the economic system that birthed it. For decades, West Virginia had ceded near total autonomy to mine owners, letting them control their workers however they saw fit. And for decades, those companies used that power to build a system of wage slavery. These companies owned everything. They owned the mines, of course, and the coal beneath the ground, but they also owned the local economy. You bought your food and clothing at the company's store, your bed at the company outlet, eventually your coffin at the company, company mortuary. Oftentimes workers were paid in company credits, so you couldn't take your pay elsewhere if you tried, nor could you own your own home. The companies owned all the houses, renting them to the workers. Termination meant eviction. And oftentimes, the company credits never quite covered expenses, locking workers into spirals of indebtedness. Eventually, the company owned you, too. Union membership was outlawed, but that wasn't the only right you surrendered for the privilege of breathing coal dust. The right to free speech, free assembly, even a trial were forfeited as conditions of employment. 
1919, 3,000 miners joined the Union. The bosses fired them all and sent a private army to evict their families. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor, and do not crush the needy in court, warns Proverbs, or the rod you wield in fury will be broken. When people are pushed to the edge of what they can endure, when every avenue for democratic resistance is closed, rebellion becomes the language of the unheard, to paraphrase Dr. King. They began to organize a massive strike and protest in Logan County. In response, the sheriff decreed any union organizer will be shot on sight. The union answered bluntly, if our organizers come back in pine boxes, neither heaven nor hell will be able to control the miners, they said. We will organize Logan County. Their words were not heeded. The union delegation was slaughtered and the miners had had enough. 10,000 tied red bandanas around their necks and grabbed their rifles. Rallying mine workers, the words of labor icon Mother Jones nestled beside the Proverbs. Oh, you men of wealth. Oh, you preachers, those who spend money for Jesus, she cried. Let me tell you, them fellows are owned body and soul by the ruling class. They rob you under the pretense of giving to Jesus. Jesus never sees a penny of it. I wish I was God Almighty. I would throw down some might from heaven and get rid of the whole blood-sucking bunch. The good mother did not mince words, and nor does scripture. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor. The Lord will take up their case and exact life for life. It's no coincidence that the Bible is filled with invectives against those who, fill, who sell the poor for silver because the working conditions in ancient Judea looked a lot more like a West Virginian company town than a free market. The Israelites were perennially working in structural debt that imprisoned people to the land they tilled. Widespread wage slavery is the reason that the Bible calls for Jubilee. It's the reason that Jesus called fishermen among his disciples. At that point, the owners had changed, but the systems of wage slavery were well intact. Roman authorities levied heavy taxes on fishermen, locking them into perpetual cycles of poverty that transformed ships into economic prisons. Jesus' call to lay down your nets wasn't just an invitation to set fishing aside. It was an exhortation to reject the entire predatory system that crushed fishing people. But the biblical call doesn't just condemn what is. It also affirms our fundamental interconnectedness, the economic ties that tether every person to the welfare of the poorest in our midst. Rich and poor have this in common, says Proverbs. The Lord is maker of them all. Our destiny is interwoven, and the systems that degrade laborers unravel that social fabric. It is in everyone's best interest to build an economy that enables our collective flourishing, because the alternative is the rod wielded in fury broken on the ground lives shattered beside it. I'm talking about West Virginia mining towns because this country is rebuilding them. Jeff Bezos is worth $188 billion. His workers are sleeping in tents and peeing in bottles. He may not send a sheriff to shoot organizers, but when workers at a plant in Bessemer attempted to unionize, Amazon spent millions on a disinformation campaign to crush their efforts. One of workers' complaints was the grueling automated schedule, one that pushed human ability to its mathematical limit, quotas determined by artificial intelligence, remotely monitored for compliance. Just that year in Bessemer, a worker collapsed on the floor and died. 
At another warehouse this year, 48-year-old Billy Foister died from a heart attack. Though on-job mistakes are often corrected the minute they happen, it took almost half an hour for management to send medical attention. After he was declared dead, the rest of the floor was sent back to work. When Jeff Bezos returned from space, he thanked Amazon workers. You guys paid for this, he said. Billy Foister could not be reached to express his gratitude. I'm just using Amazon as an example, but this is widespread. Just last week, Nabisco announced its intention to force employees to work 12-hour days, seven days a week without overtime pay. One man interviewed had worked 45 days straight. Meanwhile, last year, the company made $3.5 billion in profit. And all of this is happening within a broader economic context of deepening debt and rising expenses. There is not a single county in the United States where minimum wage can provide a two-bedroom apartment. Household debt, meanwhile, has reached almost $15 trillion. Millions now owe back rent due to COVID, a bill we are simply kicking down the road with eviction moratoriums. We're tenuously keeping people in their homes, but refusing to solve the economic devastation that threatens to leave them homeless. Something must change, and it must change soon, or we will enter a season of calamity that makes the Battle of Blair Mountain look like a petty squabble. The truth that we have forgotten is that too many of the workers' rights we now enjoy were purchased in blood. The miners eventually won their raise, their right to unionize, the abolition, the abolition of company economic control, and a five-day work week, but not until dozens lay dead on West Virginian hillsides, with hundreds more arrested by the government and charged with murder and treason. It wasn't just the Battle of Blair Mountain, either. It took another decade of bloody struggle to finally secure these rights that are swiftly unraveling. In her novel, The Parable of the Sower, Octavia Butler prophecies a future America where slavery returns not through legislative decree, but because people sell their bodies and labor to corporations because it's the only way to survive. We cannot let this come to pass. And yet we teeter on the brink. But God offers a different path. An ethic of collective generosity can dismantle systems of domination without the need to forcibly break them. There is no glory in armed insurrection, only tragedy. Jesus isn't crucified as an example of what God asks of us, but in revolutionary hope that no one else should have to die to bring heaven closer. Heaven, God promises, is already in our midst. It's time to embrace the abundance that God has already given by directly confronting the greed that's preventing its equitable distribution. Woe to those who exploit the poor for being poor, not because we're coming with rifles, but because your avarice has no place in the coming kingdom. That's the lesson we need to learn from the Battle of Blair Mountain. Not that violence is inevitable, but that when we organize our collective power, a new future becomes possible. I didn't delve into details because my storytelling was already a little long-winded, but one of the things that scared mine owners so badly was the interracial solidarity among the miners. In the 1920s, West Virginia had more black miners than any state in the union, and miners of every race were beginning to figure out that mining companies' economic violence was more important than the bigotries that were keeping them apart. That's the kind of solidarity this moment demands. Blair Mountain has escaped West Virginia. Predatory economic systems pioneered in those hollers are devouring towns across this country. But we have forgotten the power that broke them once and the power that will break them again. 
It's the power that coursed through Mother Jones when she promised miners, you will not be serfs. You will march, march, march on from milestone to milestone of human dignity. You will rise in the new day and slavery will get its death blow. It's the same love that Jesus offered saying, set down your nets and follow me. From Blair Mountain to Bed-Stuy, it's time to demand what's ours. The rich man's house is groaning from all the pilfered wages, but the flip side of that tragedy is this promise. We shall revel in abundance when our voices join together and sing, gonna take back what he stole from me. We're gonna sing that song in protests and we're gonna sing it in legislation. We're gonna sing it in raised wages and a wealth tax through abolished debts and public housing, in universal pre-K and expanded elder care. And we're gonna sing it in harmony because no voice alone can reclaim what was taken. We're in this together until the mountains quake and the valleys rise. Our love shall win the victory. We come together at this table, circling a different kind of economy. Here, capitalistic exploitation has no place. There's no preferred seating, no VIP section, no velvet rope. Only the same bread and cup offered in love, and given freely to us all. When Jesus gathered around that table with his friends, he was living into new forms of community, ones that not even death can break. The boats are left behind, and yet we stride boldly on the water. Peter is fed with as much as he needs to thrive, but crucially, Judas is fed too. We do not have to prove our worth to receive God's abundance. It is not a reward for the righteous, but a gift for the living. And on that day, Jesus took bread. He blessed it. He broke it, saying, take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, when the meal was over, Jesus took a cup. He said, this, this is my blood poured for you in a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins and the creation of a better world. When you eat this bread and you drink this cup, do so in me until that day that our love shall make all things new. Drink, friends. When we eat this bread and we drink this cup, it is a foretaste of what is coming. It's a promise to ourselves and to one another. We are not alone and we shall get what we deserve. Amen.
My name is Letitia James, and I'm the Attorney General for the great state of New York. There are many things that bond us, that bring us together, that make us New Yorkers. And the greatest amongst those things is our sense of community, inclusion, openness, and love. For almost 400 years, Middle Church has embodied those values and has served as a beacon of light and hope for countless people. It has been a place for those yearning for community. It has been a place for those who are lost and sick at heart. It has been a place to share both tribulation and triumph. And it has been a place where we go to seek guidance and clarity when the world feels too big to comprehend. Regardless of where you come from or where you are on your journey, this congregation has welcomed all with open arms. It has been there for anyone who needed it. And now my friends, it's our turn. It's our turn to be there for Middle Church and this community, just as it has been there for so many of us. With your continued support, Middle Church will rebuild, reimagine, and yes, will rise again. The birds they sang at the break of day start again. I heard them say, Don't dwell passed away oh what is yet to be yeah the wars they will be fought again the holy dove she will be caught again but and sold and bought again the dove is never free ring the bells that still can ring forget your perfect offering there is a crack a crack in everything that's how the light gets in Ooh. i can't run no more with that lawless crowd while the killers and high 
my place to say their prayers aloud. Well, they've summoned, they've summoned up a thundercloud. And they're gonna hear from we. You can add up the parts, but you won't have the sum. You can strike up the march, but there is no drum. Every heart, every heart to love will come. But like a refugee, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. That's how the light gets in. That's how the light gets Amen. 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 God who will hear our case. Thank you for restoring all that's been taken from us and giving us even more. Use these gifts for continued restoration. Amen. and scatter the good seed on the land but it is fed and watered by god's almighty hand he sends the snow in winter the warmth to swell the grain the breezes and the sunshine and soft refreshing Thank the Lord. 
So before I offer today's benediction, I would just remind you that after worship, we all meet in the in this same space for the chat and chew, um, where I'll be talking a little bit about my sermon. We can all talk about it together. Uh, so please uh, hang around and join us there. Today, I, I hope that you know that the cracks in you, the places where the world has left you broken is not a sign of your brokenness. Indeed, it is those places where God's love comes through and transforms all of us. So may you be wrapped in that divine love you feel it in all of the places. May you know that you are never, ever alone. Go, friends, in peace.